You're kind of like Gollum <laughs> with a hunched back in a cave alone somewhere forever. And no wiener. And no what? No wiener. No wiener. You're listening to Blue Yonder with your hosts, Jim Jones, Maximum Tits, Peter Street, Maximum Tits, and introducing Aaron Hubbard, set course for the podcast sector. We were, we were pretty in-depth into it, like, just you know, on I am. just on I am today, we're like, whoa, 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 save it for the show. Yeah, because I want to talk about because my thesis is like if you asked me ten years ago, mm-hmm. or even five years ago, I would have said that Star Trek or Star Wars would kick Star Trek's ass if we're talking about just quality of story, if we're talking about you know if the Empire invaded the Federation. But now I think the waters are somewhat muddier because George Lucas shat on Star Wars. Um, <laughs> Old school Star Trek, the more I watch, the more <laughs> I actually quite like. I mean, Rathacon 2 is fucking awesome. Star Trek 4 is fucking awesome. Star Trek 6 is fucking awesome. And the, and at least as many classic episodes are as solid gold as Next Generation episodes. Well, I mean, there's only one thing that I've got to ask you, which is, what does God need with a starship? <laughs> oh, exactly. What does God need with a deep What but does I'm saying, God need with a podcast? I think if I would have one of them out of my life, and that's how I would judge it, I would still pick Star Trek because Star Wars literally means the world to me from the time I was could re- formulate memories. Whereas Star Trek, I didn't even become a, really a fan until the next generation started, and I think I was in like sixth or seventh grade, and I remember, um, you know, like I said, I was pretty into Star Trek, but I've been gay for Star Wars. I mean, <laughs> oh. I think part of it's hard to separate because some of that might have been the fact that Star Wars shut down for 25 years. So it's like that craving and like, oh, my God, I haven't seen one since I was seven. And I had all those toys and I used to play it every day with my cousins. And, you know, like that was that pent up tension that kept building and building. And there was no new material. Then X-Wing came out and like just stoked the fire. And I'm actually walking all over this content. Yeah, you are. But, I, I wonder why Lucas decided to just take a 25 year hiatus. I mean, what I the deal with that? He was afraid he would suck. Well, congratulations. You should have listened to those fears. And what happened if you read the Star Wars, like, behind the screen, the Dark Truth Find Star Wars Acrobat Files, I can't remember what it is. But my point with it is, is that if you read, like, Lucas is kind of an insecure goofball, but then he made all this money at a young age and then kind of quit making movies because of his insecure. my theory, because of his insecurities, and then eventually had enough people kissing his ass and these people talking about what a brilliant... Because he... All of this, all the deep allegory and stuff that's in Star, the original Star Wars, and all the layers of meaning, he is fucking talking out of his ass, saying that he got that from, you know, Seven Samurai and all sorts of stuff. I know George got his inspiration from uh, his teacher, which was Joseph Campbell. Um, they even did uh, a Joseph Campbell. Yeah, Joseph Campbell. Oh, God, I thought you were talking about Joseph Smith, or whatever his name is. Oh, The Mormon dude. (laughs) No. (laughs) Get a lot of inspiration from the Mormons. 
Yeah, he got most of his uh, information from the Book of Mormon. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine a less interesting name than John Smith, as a matter of fact. John Smith is about the most boring. Unless it was like Bob Smith. Yeah, Bob might be better. Well, worse. So are we doing a full-on Star Trek vs. Star Wars? If I really fall in love with a world like, say, Dagobah, for example. Say, Yoda's homeworld. If I really fall in love with that place, I want to go back again. It's like, you know, visiting, you know, home. You know, if you grew up in a place where you actually had good experiences, people like to go and visit their hometown again. Mm-hmm. You can go back and watch Yoda die. Uh, not the death part, you ass. <laughs> well, that's the only time Luke goes back. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, he should. that's why I'm saying, though, there should be more... That's actually one of the reasons why I was so angry at one of the cutscenes in Episode 3. They actually cut out Dagobah. And there is a cutscene, I've seen it, and it's uh, ridiculously short, where Yoda flies down and lands in his pod, gets his and gets ship. out of his little egg ship, and then takes and a shit. Him, him and Dr. Robotnik set up camp on Dagobah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Man, they why didn't they keep that in? The scene was lame. Why were you mad that they cut it? It's actually not that lame. It's foreshadowing. I mean, assuming you haven't seen the original. I'm mad at two things. I'm mad at one, that they went to all the trouble to make the one shot and didn't go ahead and just throw it in because it would have been at least kind of sentimental for me watching it in the theaters. Two, I'm mad at the fact that they only did the one fucking shot. So it's like, I'm getting fucked both ways from Sunday. Well, I mean, Yoda couldn't have spent any significant time on Dagobah just because yeah. then people would know about it. like, oh, I'm in exile. Exile I am. Well, there's tons I'm of things he could have done. There's this whole idea where there was a cave full of dark side energy. What the fuck was that doing there? And even the extended Dude, universe talked about that. That there was a, there was a character exiled there. And yeah, but now you're, now you're wanting Lucas not to shit away two full movies of worth of time that just was wasted and utterly meaningless and actually spend time on delivering content. Well, cut out Jar Jar scenes and you've got the time for it. <laughs> Jar Jar was revolutionary, man. I oh, love God. that character. And now for something completely different. Ooh, so we talked about the oh, shit. we talked about the technological aspects or the military type victory uh, in the last podcast segment, and now we're going to turn it to the other side of the coin of the Star Wars versus Star Trek debates, which is basically which do you like better, uh, qualitatively in the purely subjective sense, which series is better? So I think that we should go around and talk about where our personal allegiances lie. For example, um, I'm definitely, I definitely prefer Star Wars when it comes to the quality. I think we not only have to, you know, wave our flag of one or the other as far as allegiance, but we have to justify our stand. I, but, but I think the listener should know where we're coming from before we start justifying that. So I just want to go that's, kind that's of like, fine. just go around, uh, you know, I'm Star Wars, Jim. Uh, I'm Star Wars. And Peter. Definitely Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd want to walk into that convention as well. <laughs> I, yeah, me too. I want to see some quality canal. Um, so, Peter, Star Wars versus Star Trek only. Okay. Prior to 1999, I would instantly have said Star Wars, hands down, Star Wars is the better series. However, 
Ever since this magical year of 1999, we've been introduced to Star Wars as it was meant to be, <laughs> which uh, turns out to be that it was meant to be a worthless piece of shit that would have never been successful on any level. As if millions um, of fortunately, voices cried out in terror, and then were silenced. <laughs> and were suddenly silenced. Being introduced to this new thing called a prequel trilogy... I would have to say that despite all of its disgusting failures and its horrible, horrible next generation stretch of movies, that Star Trek probably has the, the more hours of solid, excellent, consistent content and that Star Wars is kind of left in the dust. So you're saying it's quantity That's over true. quality. No, well, I was it's saying it's quantity of quality over quantity. But my argument think, is, regardless of how you feel about the prequels and the reimagining of the original series, Empire Strikes Back is hands down, I would rather have that one pure, and as an adult and as a child, experience than I would all of the Star Trek stuff that I've partaken in. And I'm a fan. I like Star Trek. I read... I don't want to go to my my credentials. I have the Star Star Trek Next Generation Technical Manual. I read basically every Star Trek Next Generation novel that came out up until like thirty something. So it's like I, I do like me some Star Trek, mm-hmm. but still, Empire Strikes Even Back is a, uh, I did read Imzadi. Uh, Star Trek, <laughs> Star Trek. The actually that was a nickname for my girlfriend in high school. Uh, oh, that's how fucking geeky geek. I was. You massive geek. Hey man. <laughs> So anyway, it got it got. That's awesome, it, by the way. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, even saying that Star Wars and in, in, in particular the Empire Strikes Back is worth single-handedly that two hours of entertainment, the price of admission. The price of everything of yeah. Deep Space Nine in its entirety yeah. of I, all, all of Deep Space the Nine next generation equal. episodes, all, First Contact. All that does not. I mean. If I talk about Star Wars, A New Hope, uh, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi as a whole, definitely. But I'm even like, I'm pretty sure if I just had Empire Strikes Back, that movie is so fantastic, so chock full of awesome ideas and concepts that it it does leave the others in the dust. Wow. Mm. Empire Strikes Back is awesome. Empire Strikes Back is awesome, I agree. But I'm I'm glad we do have a Trekkie here. Well... See, I'm almost persuaded by Peter's argument. I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards. It. I'm considering it. That I mean, so Empire Strikes Back, that, 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 Strikes Back is awesome, but let me lay this down on you. Okay, do it. This is um, basically. I was going over this a little bit with uh, Jim earlier. Um, uh, this whole idea of of Star Wars and its glory, I kind of related to Jim as if you were. Dating a, um, let's say for the first time, let's say it's your first love. And all of your waking hours, every moment that you're alive is, is, uh, a little bit of your thought process is dedicated to the person Sex. because you, <laughs> shut up, whore bag. Um, <laughs> well, we're talking dedica- about your first love, we're talking teenage years, right? That's a fact. Yeah, well, well, of course the hormones are in it, but I'm just talking about that entire swoon of emotion. And that's the kind of love and devotion I had for Star Wars. Okay, a few years in, they begin to show some of their weaknesses. 
uh, you know, they, they maybe have let themselves go a little bit. They have a fat stomach. Maybe, you know, their shit smells like battery acid. You know, all these <laughs> nasty little disgusting qualities Fun that fact, you did. Lieutenant Commander Data's shit actually does smell like battery acid. <laughs> That's because it's, it is battery acid. It's in the Star Trek technical, uh, Star Trek Next Generation technical manual. <laughs> I co-wrote that with my friend Fuckface. But anyway, no. Um, so, you're at long last, the veil is starting to come off, right? You know, you don't hate them, but you see them in a new way, and it's not all rosy. And that's kind of like the rude awakening that I experienced in 1999 when I went to the theater, and for the first time, I was exposed to the Phantom Menace. Are you saying that the Empire Strikes Back has fucking cellulite now? No, Are you saying I'm not diminishing the glory days. Creamy, creamy thighs and it's got cotton cheese but on no, it? No, I can look saying? back on the pictures of Empire Strikes Back and see me and Darth Vader on the beach in those great old pictures and, and see it just as glorious as it used to be, but I now know there's more to the story. The idea that George Lucas was a visionary and a prophet is totally... Bogus. I mean, he was just a, a guy that I had agree. a lot of... That was very lucky. He was uh, a lucky yeah. man. And I think that this is a good segue to get away from this marriage analysis, uh, analogy and actually land on that point that you just mentioned, which is one of the ways five years ago or ten years ago I would have said Star Wars is superior to Star Trek is his mythological underpinnings. Mm-hmm. Evidence more and more mounts to the fact that Lucas just basically diddle-dee-dumb... Uh, fell into that, that he basically copied wholesale elements of uh, Kurosawa's works that did tap onto those deep mythological underpinnings and cultural things and uh, accidentally came up with this morality play that had, surprise, surprise, Eastern kind of religious concepts. I don't know if you can say he accidentally did it. He knew that he was borrowing from these movies and these... Serials yeah, from the fifties, but for if the you listen 40s to a modern day interview of George Lucas, he comes across like he basically took the ideas of Joseph Campbell, brewed them into the stew all through his college years, and then purposely set out to create a modern myth. And he, when he says that, is so full of shit. Okay, but he also didn't accidentally throw these ingredients together. It wasn't like no. It's a, it's, it wasn't like he stumbled onto a camera that had the footage on it and was like, oh, this looks like a good movie. I think I'll put it out there. But he pretends like, I mean, like, for example, have you seen have you seen Seven Samurai? Yes, I have. And no, have you no. seen The Magnificent Seven? No. Magnificent Seven is a very well-made remake of the Seven Samurai, only they're Wild Wild West era gunfighters instead of samurai. And nice. it, it's great. But no one pretends like that Magnificent Seven is some awesome new cultural inspirational myth-making. George Lucas gets away with that, and I think that, I think it diminishes something from his, because again, ten years ago, I'd have said, wow, it's such an awesome myth, and, you know, he came off this all out of his head, and, you know, this, this structure where he yeah, took well, Joseph Archetype's, you know, the hero's journey. That's all stuff that he invented after the fact, is what I'm getting Sure, at. and but that says nothing but about the quality of the story. But it ends up being a great story. I mean, it, what it is, is 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 a perfect example of the hero's journey. Sure, yeah. but I think, I think actually Gene Roddenberry could actually, 
be said to be more of a visionary because he took kind of like a wild, wild west in space. I mean, he was doing Firefly before Firefly was cool. Uh, the whole wagon trains to the stars concept, uh, and creating this whole world out of scratch rather than saying, oh, okay, well, this character is this character. I'm going to take this work and directly translate it over. I just think, not taking anything away from George Lucas because I think Star Wars proves that George Lucas can make a superior piece of, you know, pop culture sci-fi. I think you're, I think you're trying to simplify but, things way too much. What do you mean? I mean, I'm just saying that giving him credit for making this modern myth goes too far. Sure, it does. But what does that have to do with the quality of the material? Well, because I think that if he did make a modern myth, like again, I think someone, I think I where you draw the line, to... though, is 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 really hard to see. I mean, I think that he had some great ideas, but back in the day, he was more likely to listen to criticism. Whereas once he got the big head. And started to get the misconception that the success was all his responsibility, that he stopped listening to valuable input that actually helped make it what it was, a masterpiece. Well, and I think that sure. if you look at the source materials, you come to the conclusion that George Lucas is a gifted cinematographer, special effects guy, but what made Star Trek great was those things combined with Sir Alec Guinness and Harrison Ford, Ralph McQuarrie, and uh, John Williams and yeah, oh yeah, Brett Burt, John Williams, the sound yeah, designer. It's it's under it's understated how much he actually contributed to the success of it. So so those things plus the editing, even then, as as we've talked about before, uh, Peter, if the that that all those two guys didn't come in, I forget their names, but those two guys didn't come in and save the movie. Basically, in the editing, Star Wars would still be an unwatchable mess. Yeah, the editing of the first picture was vital to its success. But somehow George Lucas gets called a, a, a visionary. And I don't know, I mean, American Graffiti is actually pretty good. <laughs> I hate to be the one who pisses in the well on this topic, but what does this have to do with the qualitative aspects of the two franchises? Because I think, and I'll, I'll try to answer it, Star Wars was larger than life to me in, in a way that Star Trek wasn't. And one of the reasons it was larger than life was because I built, I bought in, I drunk Kool Aid about how George Lucas was not just an awesome film director and the way that George, uh, you know, that that uh, Roddenberry was a brilliant producer, but he was almost like this modern day prophet. Uh, people were putting Jedi down as their religion in Australia. You know, I mean, yeah. he's got all this credit. People still do that. And he let he let this happen. He let this myth kind of be built around him when come to find out he brought a very small small tool set to this project that everybody yeah. else brought you know a more. dozen more tools than he did so so that's why it's like now star wars is just a piece of entertainment where before not only was it a cultural not only was it like my childhood you know warm fuzzy blanket but it actually was like this important piece of like Literature, you know, like like you study Beowulf. People a hundred years from now are going to be studying Star Wars, and maybe they will. But it's just like that infects my enjoyment of it. Yeah, okay, but you're still saying it's your favorite. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just just to be clear, I mean, because yeah, yeah, yeah. you're kind of like downplaying how significant you know, it is see, now. You know, he's talking about in a way Star Wars is tarnished for him, and I say that's the way it's tarnished for me. But still. Because of Empire Strikes Back, God, that is an awesome movie. <laughs> it is, no debating that. 
I'm just wondering if it's better than all of the good Star Trek combined. Well, I don't think so. Okay, if you got a picture, would you rather have? Would you rather have a picture, one picture that can pitch 100 mile an hour, or would you rather have 10 pitchers that can pitch 90? 10 pitchers that can pitch 90. Well, then you're a Star Trek fan. I mean, the only way, the only reason that I went on about this impassioned vision that I used to have of Star Wars was to tell, was to let people understand how much of a horror it is for me to admit that, in fact, I would rather have Star Wars wiped off the map if I had to pick between Star Trek and Star Wars. The reason is, is because um, there's no fantasy left. Like like when I was talking about, true, you know, first love, that whole idea of people being perfect and putting them on pedestals isn't realistic at all. In the end of the day, that's a fantasy. But guess what? The fantasy, in this case is better than the reality. What I think is interesting is you're we're both telling the same story, but I'm saying how like even still it's still they're still the one. Like basically I've forgiven Star I I've forgiven Star Wars for committing adultery and you left it. <laughs> like, yeah, see, maybe I, that's what I it don't is. agree that that has any bearing on how good the actual work is. I, I don't think that no, empirically, My, but we're talking subjectively. But let's, let's, sure, let's, even subjectively, let's, let's wind, even let's subjectively. Let's wind Jim up. Uh, go, man. We, 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 me, me, and Peter have been jabbing. We, let's, let's hear your take on this. Uh, well, well, like I said, I'm actually debating whether or not I'd rather have the the small amount of content that is oh so good in Star Wars, or the large, vast amount of content in Star Trek that is maybe just a slight notch. Yeah, it's basically. Would you Star rather Wars. bang one? T- uh, ten, or would you bang a uh, half dozen? A rather nines. bang a half dozen nines. Seven of nine, because then we're <laughs> talking ba- about a ten. Would you say half dozen, or would you say seven? <laughs> <laughs> seven of nines. Hmm. Um, wow, that's actually like I didn't even think about that because I was more thinking about the movies as compared to the movies. But when you factor in all of the television shows, oh, uh, I mean, we can throw Voyager. Worlds? We get what? Best of both worlds, city on the edge. Yeah, of forever. best of both worlds. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I might have to actually go with Star Trek here. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and I think when See, we get into the Would You Rather, it'll become more fulfill apparent your why. destiny. It, be, yes. uh, I, I, and take Star Trek's say. place by my side. <laughs> You can't even contextualize this without using a Star Star Wars geek traitor. But I, that's I, how I, much, I that's how much that, I'm tra- okay. I, I'm saying it's it breaking right. my heart. It's I'm, like the Godfather, right? <laughs> yeah, you break my heart, heart. Georgie. <laughs> it's a me, Mario. a Mario. <laughs> it's a me. Are you breaking my heart? It's You're breaking my heart. You nasty hoe. it's Don Corleone. Are you breaking my heart? What's the matter, you? <laughs> so, so uh, do the Mario. Thank you so anyway, much for playing my game. We're uh, anyway. So I yeah, I think I'm gonna switch my stance. I said it was Star Wars. I think I'm gonna have to go with Star Trek in that new light. But the thing is, like, okay, I'm 33. Yes. I'm born in 76. How old are you? 29. You're born in like 81. 80. 80. Uh, 28. Born in 82. Jim's born in 82. I think you guys. So you guys weren't forming memories until Star Wars is actually dead and gone. It's it's dead and gone. Christ I, Jesus. Uh, I remember I'm, the original until toy. Everything was, 
from until the barrel was loaded and fired. <laughs> from like, seventy six to no, a like year I, after the glory the years of Star Wars was the nineties, man. Back when you had the extended universe in full force, you guys were man, you guys that were, was awesome. You guys weren't in the fantastic the, Renaissance. I'm telling you that in set from nineteen seventy six to the year after Return of the Jedi was released. You, Star Wars couldn't have been bigger. And in fact, the only pop culture phenomenon I can think that was as popular and as big was like Michael Jackson. I mean, that it's just a huge continent spanning. Now um, they're both dead. I mean, it's funny now uh, because generations like Star Wars merchandise <laughs> is like ubiquitous. But Star Wars merchandise was just as ubiquitous back then, except for it was in high demand. You would never see like Star Wars and the clearance rack of freaking Walmart. So it's like, it was so big in such a way, and I was right in the, like, the five to ten-year-old sweet spot where this stuff was hitting you right in these pleasure centers of the brain. And I think that's why I still can't do it. I can't turn away because I've got that childhood love for it. I, I think you would be like uh, more susceptible to abusive relationships. <laughs> uh... Because as soon See, as the fucking, as soon as the freaking uh, rose-colored glasses were burned out of my eye sockets, I was like, "Fuck it, I'm in the road." I mean, it breaks my heart to this day yeah, to I'm have to say these things. It really does. You don't have a love of the child that you know of Star Wars, and I do. Well, that's not entirely true. We we still do have it, just because we grew up with the movies. Yeah, but like um, it was permeating but- my amniotic fluid. I mean, so what I say is, like, I was, I swam in a sea of, a stew of Star Wars, a Star Wars menu, you know, general Star Wars. Yeah, that's, that's true. I, I kind of became more of the fan in my teenage years. I'll give you that really? much. I mean, like yeah. I said, it's like, you know, I, mean, I wasn't are... a huge fan until like 94. No, 94, like 95. How, how kids are, how kids are crazy, uh, about Pokemon and crazy about Transformers and they've been crazy about, um, G.I. Joe and all those things you take all that stuff combined and it wasn't as crazy as kids were about Star Wars toys back in the day. I mean I've never seen anything like it before since when it comes down to like a kid craze. Hmm. Yeah and I miss that part of it. It's just uh, you know maybe that is the difference between us. Maybe that is the difference. So uh. Alright, well, I think that actually takes us right into the Would You Rather segment this week. Because a lot of what we're talking about has to do with uh, our personal memories of Star Wars versus Star Trek. Yeah. So um, we might as well go ahead and go into it. Shoot. Wouldn't you you agree? Yeah. Would you rather continue talking in an abstract form about our progress (laughs) of Star Wars versus Star Trek? Or Or would you rather get into Would you rather get into Would You Rather? (laughs) Oh my god, recursion. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so the would you rather this week is going to be Would you rather have all traces of your personal memories of Star Wars or Star Trek erased? Alright, clarification. Does it actually destroy the material itself? No, it does not. The source material is all still there. Wow. Just your memories. And and any, any memories you have of it are gone. Wow. Who wants to go first? Who, who do you want to go first, Jim? Pick, pick um, somebody to go first. Let's let's make Aaron go first. All right. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk this through because here's my thoughts out loud. I think 
if Star, my memory of Star Wars was erased, and I saw it now as a 33-year-old, especially with the altered versions I would see now, and with the prequel trilogy, I can't see... I mean, I think Star Wars would truly... I wouldn't have that love of a child for it, and it wouldn't be as special in my life. Conversely... I actually appreciate Star Trek more as an adult than I did as a teenager because yeah. I did like The Next Generation, but the old series I thought was so hokey that I couldn't get into it, whereas now I'm more mature and I actually appreciate the nuances of the characters and the intrinsic humor of the way that McCoy and Kirk and Spock interact and the quality story writing. Um you know, Guardian of of, of uh, Forever and City on the Edge of uh, you know Forever, I, dude. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's like Guardian. The, the Guardian was in that. The, the Guardian yeah. of Forever was in City on the Edge of Forever. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm actually a hundred percent in agreement here. So I think that I would have to uh, nuke my memories of Star Trek because I think if someone said, "Hey, yeah. I want you to sh- show you this uh, Star Trek series," I would actually be more receptive to it, with the possible exception of the first season and a half of Star Trek The Next Generation, because that straight up sucks. <laughs> and the only reason yeah, I liked it is because I was a flaming geek. Like, like <laughs> so flaming of a geek at the time. So, But I think I could get, get yeah. past that as an adult. So that's mine. I, I think I, I would nuke Star Trek because I don't want to lose that, like I said, indescribable, blissful love to where even now, today, knowing what I know, five minutes into Empire Strikes Back, I've forgotten all of it. Alright, well, Peter, do you want to go? Yeah, I guess I'll take a stab at this. Um, Okay. From hell's hot. Oh, God. Um, And they're both erased from my memory, but I could still rediscover them, clearly, right? Yes. Hmm. That changes things a little bit for me. Um, Because if I could rediscover it, huh? I don't know. I mean, I, I would... Uh, and just just so you know, Peter, that if you go where I think you're going, I want to definitely cross-examine. Okay. Um, I think I would probably still have probably Star Trek's a memory erased. Um, there are so many moments in Star Wars that are part of my personality. I don't know. It's just like I quote Star Wars content, classic Star Wars content more then I quote, you know, Star Trek content. And when it comes to, just like we were mentioning, you know, earlier about, you know, all the things we used to, we used to have the crown and used to do trivia. And even though it's like a love lost, I guess I have to subscribe to the opinion that it's better to have love, loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Um, so even though I don't feel like Star Wars is a part of my life anymore, um, I feel like it's, you know, it's that lover that cheated on me. I still don't, uh, I don't regret the great times and the great times were so, so great and so integral in making me who I am today that I would probably keep Star Wars in my memory banks. Um, and then just hope that I actually get around to rediscovering Star Trek. Yeah, see, that's actually the part that makes it most difficult for me because, like you said, I, I, we're not just talking about erasing the the memories of the movies or the books or whatever. We're talking about erasing all the memories that encompass everything that has to do with that franchise. Yeah, and so the effect that it had on any you. Any discussions you've had with your friends, any 
like everything. I, I mean, a large part of my early teenage years would be destroyed by that. Same here. And, and I would no longer have that memory if I if I got rid of Star Wars. Holy crap! I didn't even think about that. I feel yeah. Even, the I feel ramifications are deeper than you thought. I think. <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely. And I was going to say the other thing is for you guys. I mean, and for all of us, really. There's a hell of a lot more cool Star Trek to rediscover than there is Star Wars. I agree. And also, I would say, along with your point, where you said that you could appreciate Star Trek more now as an adult, I think you're 100% right. I, I think do too. the subject matter and the material is better attuned to the tastes of an adult, whereas Star Wars is. I mean, really, even George Lucas has said that he made it for kids. I mean, he, he yeah. had kids no, in mind when he was creating the freaking thing. It's, it's dead. That arrow's aimed at that heart for sure. Absolutely. So I, I like you, could appreciate Star Trek a hell of a lot more now as an adult than I could when I was a kid. And that's probably why I'm so, I have these fond memories of Star Wars as a kid, but not Star Trek, even though I was around both of them at the same time. Yeah, and I have fond memories of Star Trek as a kid, and I haven't gone into that part, part of it yet, but nothing compares to the memories I had as a younger, you know, kid and Star Wars. And I feel the same way times ten. So yeah, and, and so we're all said, treating it's, Star Trek. It's, it's exciting, I, and I wish I could. I wish I could do that. A lot of things, like I wish I could re- reset a button that I hadn't ever seen Godfather before. You know, and I yeah. saw the first the time. I'm like, holy crap! I wish I could do that about like the series Mad Men. I wish I could do that about the Tom Clancy books. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I wish I could re-experience. But there's so many of those moments in Star Trek, and there's funny mm-hmm. stuff, and cool stuff, and poignant stuff, and artistic stuff. Just so much good content. And yeah, you got Voyager. <laughs> you got Enterprise. You got the first season and a half of Star Trek Next Generation. But you've got any of those new generation movies. Next uh, generation. Well, I mean, except for First, first Contact, Contact was awesome. awesome. Jonathan Franks. Jonathan did, Franks? He, he did a fucking awesome job. <laughs> Jonathan Franks? Yeah, Franks. Jonathan Franks. That's right. Yeah, he not Franks. He doesn't. He doesn't have an in in there. He is Franks. Jonathan Franks. Yeah. He did a bang up, awesome ass job. So he did. So I think it's it's not just like how much would you be losing by losing one of these. It's also how much would you be gaining, and by losing Star Trek, I think you actually gain more. Potentially, I mean, you could lose a ton more if you never discover it. Yeah, interestingly, I, 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 I would rather none of those two things happen personally. Well, yeah. No, you know what? I'd almost rather have Star Trek re-raced because it'd be cool to re-experience it as an adult. I do. Think Imagine I how uh, like all, you. How long have you gone on about how amazing it was to speculate over the summer whether or not Patrick Stewart was coming back? I mean, you would take that memory from yourself. How horrible would that? Well, experience it is what he said. You would I, never I experience I would it that way. Enjoyed it even more. No, I mean, like I said, I thought as a teenager that did, like, I think it's the first time I can remember, ironically enough, since Empire Strikes Back, which I was like, when I got done watching that show, I was like, holy shit, are the good guys going to win? Because I believe, I don't know whether this was an actual thing or this is something just paramount circulated, but like Patrick Stewart was in contract negotiations. Like, yeah. He might not With. have come back into the real show, thus Picard could have exited, thus maybe Picard would be killed. I, mean, right. I remember just thinking uh, I was actually down in Texas. And so if you rediscovered Next Generation, you'd never experience that cliffhanger that way. But on the other hand, that's one cliffhanger, and that's the only really time where I really felt that way in Star Trek. 
I think that, like what Jim and I have been saying, that I think from an adult perspective, Star Trek actually gets becomes better for the comparison. Whereas yeah, the reverse cannot be said. And this is so interesting, because when we first talked about this Would You Rather... Um, as a, as just a, when we just threw it out as a one sentence idea brainstorm, I'm like, wow, this is a tough choice. I'm really gonna have to think this through. But then, as all three of us have talked, it's almost like it's a landslide. In fact, yeah, I think it's pretty obvious. I want to I want to ask the listeners um, if you feel the opposite that you'd rather have your Star Wars memories nuked. Get on the forums and and lay that lay that science down on us because I'm almost now to where I can't think of any geek that I know, even the biggest Trekkie, uh, that has any love for Star Wars that would flip the other way. So I want to hear that contrary opinion. All right. Well, I think that's just going to about do it for the show. Uh, if you have any questions or comments or you just want to chat, you can visit our forums at www.baldmove.com. Send- <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> or send us an email <laughs> at blueyonder at baldmove.com. Or you can reach us by phone at 1-800-EAT-A-DICK. With that said, until next time, I'm Jim Jones. And I am Peter Street. Hey, Ron Hubbard. Ciao. Welcome back to Wild Blue Yonder, uh, segment two of Star Wars. Wild Star Blue Trek. Yonder? What the fuck is that? Oh, fine. Is that okay. a show? I've never heard of that right, fucking show. Back. Okay. And maybe I should do the intro, no, no, no. perhaps. Uh, okay, go for it. Considering I'm the director, the uh, uh, man, share your power, shithead. All right, that's post. Uh, just for that, I'm gonna sit here and talk about it a little bit. How do you want me to do this intro? I'm kidding. All right, here we go. All right, welcome back to part three of Suck My Ass Cheeks. <laughs> that that was the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, you can't see any of the trailers content at all unless you register uh. first. They can go fuck themselves. Really? They're going to make me register to advertise to me? Yeah. Sorry. You don't get to do that. I agree. That's outstandingly ridiculous. Hey, we want to sell you something, but first, let's collect your information. Is that okay, buddy? Yeah. Sure. Great. Sounds wonderful. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just pound nails into my cock right now. This sounds good, too. <laughs> How nails into your cock? That's horrible. What does that have to do with anything? It's about the same as being advertised to. Being am- so every time you see a commercial, you feel like you're getting a nail through your Johnson. <laughs> Absolutely. The Super Bowl is a very painful time for me. Oh, wow. <laughs> you thought the producers spent a lot on the commercial. You're like BME Pain Olympics every fucking Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I can't a, remember I need to verify my date in order to see Sam Fisher's new adventure. I think that's cock. Sam Fisher's nude adventure? Oh, God. It's <laughs> the last thing I want to see. Sam Adventures. Sam, Sam Adventures new adventure. Same adventure in Nude Adventure. (laughs) Brought to you by the makers of Beat 'em and Eat 'em. Beat 'em and Eat 'em. (laughs) The 360 hasn't seen action like this since Barney Does Dallas. (laughs) God.